You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello, hello. Will Gibson. Hey, how's it going, everyone? All right, short crew today. And we might have a special guest, Shane Chastain, jumping in later. And uh, we'll talk to him when he shows up. But let's uh, first tell you Sim Labs, uh, Sim Lab Racing Simulator Products is our sponsor. And uh, they provide quality sim racing chassis to suit your sim racing needs. Check them out at sim lab.eu. And uh, they are the hottest uh, cockpit right now. Everybody seems to be buying those. Well, guess what? It's uh, week 13, so we're, things are a little bit different than normal. And so we're going to jump right into the release notes that was released just today. Will, uh, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so uh, release notes almost always start with the adjustments to the beta. It looks like we now have a friends list, and we could hide our online status in the beta now as well. And you can also see your iRacing funds. As far as updates to the website, it looks like they've added some blacklist functionality. So you could uh, blacklist more users, spotters. Um, you could block all incoming friend requests. So that would be probably useful for somebody like Max Verstappen. Um, you could also have, there's also a new live chat widget. Is actually the first thing I noticed today logging onto the website. In your bottom right hand corner, there's going to be a blue bubble. That is for live contact to customer support. It initially starts with a bot, though, so just a heads up there. Um, it's uh, no longer going to be support for Windows 7. Um, that ends on January 14th, so we have some more time. Wow, that's um, kind of big. Uh, so I was thinking when I was, you know, building my new computer, almost staying going with Windows 7, and I ended up with Windows 10. I made a choice there, but I think there's still a lot of racers on Windows 7. You think there might be some? I would say there's there's uh, probably quite quite a few because I mean iRacing doesn't really force you to update too often and I know when your PC is running good the last thing you want to do is an update so but we have a uh, it looks like about six months lead time into it or probably four or five months now yeah, it's yeah, just the and... world of PC operations you eventually have to cut off support to older software or it keeps limiting where you can go with your forward software. And I think this date coincides with what Microsoft is ending support with Windows 7. So, um, boy, guys, if you're out there and you're on Windows 7 iRacing, now is the time to start planning your next computer, and it's got to be Windows 10. Yes, and uh, we also got a couple updates to cars and the way they are organized in the system. Older cars are now labeled archive at the beginning. So when you're searching through your car list on the member website, they are going to be at the very bottom of the list. And this is going to go for the older Cup cars, the older Xfinity cars, I think the older Mazda as well. And when you're actually in the paint page, they're at the very top of the list because that breaks it down alphabetically. So if you run some of those older cars in a league, they are now going to be marked under archive, um, which I'm really glad they filtered some of those out. And uh, that kind of gets us onto the dynamic track, and I'll let you cover that, Mike. Yeah, dynamic track is... Uh... It's probably like the next evolution of it. You know, we've had it for a while where heat, you know, will build up in the surface as laps are run and 
or the, the heat from the sun, you know, bakes down on the concrete or the asphalt. Um, so what they've changed here is it now utilizes multiple layers beneath the ground to track temperature and moisture. So the previous model, I, my understanding was just there's a single layer at the top, it is a certain temperature. Now they have understandings of, well, six inches down, it's this temperature, and 12 inches down, it's this temperature, and 18 inches down, it's this. And by modeling all the different layers, you, you get a more realistic uh, swing of how temperatures can swing, you know, when the sun is baking down versus a, a cloud cover. This kind of coincides, I think two or three builds ago, they nerfed basically how effective cloud cover was because it was so prevalent that one cloud would roll over the track and it just drop it significantly. Um, so I wonder if they're going to, over time, basically increase that strength because it's not going to be affected as quickly because of the extra layering. Well, that's true. I mean, David, how many times have I said this year during qualifying, hey, should we wait for a cloud? Yeah, and you guys would always take advantage of my VR because I could actually look and see if a cloud was actually approaching the sun or not. Right. And so I would ask David and he would say, I don't see any clouds at all. And then we'd roll out. But if he did say there was a cloud, we'd wait. And sure enough, like Will said, huge advantage. So I suspect that advantage is now gone uh, with this new change. Next, uh, it simulates three days of weather prior to an event start time for generating the track initialization. And so it looks at when, what date that the event is happening, and it looks at real weather just prior to that date, and that's what it is. Uh, more accurate interaction between water and temperature. The end result is that temps will likely be cooler in the morning and early afternoon and warmer in the late afternoon. The effecti effectiveness of the dirt cushion has been reduced. Next, uh, V7 tires are here. We're going to talk about that in a separate topic uh, later. Next, damage model. It's only on the Skippy as long as it is a Skippy-only race. So if you have different kinds of cars, then apparently it doesn't work. Uh, but I tested this earlier today in testdrive.iracing.com when uh, they were putting out the build and I uh, tried it. I ran a uh, Charlotte Roval, ran the car into the wall uh, real fast and uh, put up some videos on our chat. And what did you guys think of those videos? Uh, it was pretty cool seeing all the parts flying. I did not get a chance to watch them today. They have, iBracers have probably scrapped more skippies today than have ever than been ever. wrecked in the history of iRacing. Yeah, they're all over YouTube too. Uh, Nick Neben was, uh, did a video of him doing it and there were several other youtubers up uh, running uh, skippy and just bouncing them off the wall pretty cool but i tried it and uh it was really interesting how the driving would react when the car would fall apart like the if the front wheels were like it's still attached but wobbling real hard uh it was really hard to drive i mean the wheel was shaking and everything like it was really broken and so this is like the first thing that iRacing or the next thing that iRacing has brought in that's com you know completely different than what we've had before. Uh, before when you wreck a car it's totally different than it is now with this new uh, damage model and so I was very impressed uh, with how realistic it looked, how realistic it felt throughout the wheel 
and uh, visually too. I mean, you see the mirror fly off, and you can see the reflection off the mirror as it bounces, and I mean, it looks very well, very good. Uh, Shane Chastain, you joined us. Thank you for coming. He's a, he's in the room. I don't know if he's got his mic on, but uh, hang in there. We're gonna still go through the release notes here. Uh, some other notes about the damage model. Collision shapes now closely match the vehicle shape and dimensions and can deform appropriately when damaged. Damage due to impacts can loosen and even detach some vehicle parts. Wheel impacts can bend suspension, damage spring dampers, and break hub attachment points. One point I knocked it, uh, the front off the car so bad that the uh, you could see the driver's legs inside the tub because all the sheet metal had broken off. Yeah, I just want to add a note. Um, I saw on Reddit this morning, I know I put it in the group chat, the, you can even see the car get repaired. So I believe the guy looked like he smacked the right side of the car, tore off both right side tires, broke the front clip off the tub so you could see the driver's feet. And it was about 16 minutes of required repair. It had both tires back on, um, but the front of the car was still missing, including the front wing. And I think it was about like 10 more minutes of optional and there was a front wing back on it. It was still a little crooked. It looked like they scooped the one you broke off the track and put it back on. But uh, even the repairs look more realistic. And uh, I think it's this is a huge step forward for iRacing. It is. Uh, other notes, detached parts and wheels can impact and damage other vehicles. Now, I haven't tested this with somebody else, but I, I was thinking we need to get like a 40 guys and skippies and go out at, you know, Talladega and just kind of have a big old wreck fest and see what happens. Uh, but anyway, um, the parts remain on track until they are out of a driver's sight when they will be cleared away. Uh, vehicle wheel on wheel contact is more accurate and considers wheel spin and friction appropriately. So that'll be interesting. All collisions with the track surfaces and environmental objects are now using a high-resolution collision mesh. Impacts against detached car parts and wheels do not count towards incident penalties. So if you run over a wheel, uh, no incident, I guess. But I assume you would get damage. And one of the hopes with the, that we have with the higher-resolution collision mesh is that it will actually help reduce the extreme net code that we will, that we see often especially in the cup cars i just keep dreaming of oval racing you know richmond where you come around turn three and four and there's a big wreck and there's carbon fiber everywhere and litter you know parts all over and you have to kind of wig zigzag through there and maybe you cut down a tire that would be cool uh Visual effects for debris and scrapes have been added and improved to support the new damage model. Sound effects processing for impacts and scrapes is also improved. Um, David, pit stops. So the NASCAR pit stops time has deviation has been reduced slightly. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they reduce the times as much as they've reduced the variety of times that you can get. Uh, and we also have some changes to HDR. We're now using linear format instead of gamma encoded. That's foreign language to me, but uh, some of you graphic nerds may know what that means. Um, improvement accuracy of the brake lights, backfires, free elections, glow and bloom, or among others. The sim now supports launching directly 
in windowed HDR 16F modes or HDR 10 displays. Uh, for, there are some advanced graphic options. The video memory maximum footprint has been increased to 8 gigabits. Whoa, uh, or wait gigabytes. a minute. Go That's ahead. pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's double. Previously it was 4. And then, so that means it, it's going to take better advantage of our graphics cards, right? I hope so, yeah. And uh, the, the most recent upgrade I made was to memory, and that seemed to help more than actually the video card. And they've also bumped up the system ma memory maximum to 16 gigabytes. And so they doubled both of the maximum memory usable, I suppose. So the note is, I need to go into my settings and turn those up if I, and double them, because I got plenty of each. And there is a note that auto configuration is probably not going to recommend using over 4 gigabytes of video memory. So I suppose you only want to do that if you have a very large uh, memory capacity on your card. i got a 1080 Ti, so I think I can do it. On the audio side, there's some new damage sounds. Uh, sounds for tires rolling on asphalt have also been improved. Uh, one of our teammates was already testing the cup cars earlier. Uh, Brent was running around and, point and noted that uh, the sounds were pretty neat. I know. I, I did a little testing on my lunch break and uh, scraped the wall a little bit in the K&N car, and it definitely sounded different. It uh, You could tell I hit the wall, but it wasn't like, uh, oh, crap, I hit the wall. I was like, oh, I shouldn't have leaned on it that much. It's uh, There was better. You could tell how hard you hit it better, if that makes any sense. It definitely sounded good. As a musician and a sound engineer, I'm always excited to hear the changes in the sounds. I'm, I, even even ambience and backgrounds are I'm a kind of acutely aware of because because of the work I do in recording. So moving on to the Flagman, we have some animation updates to several of the oval tracks. There's a list. I'm not going to read the entire list. But... So most of the NASCAR tracks. Mm-hmm. Including, in a, when you look on the list, you'll see all, that probably means all of the different uh, configurations. We've also added French, German, Italian, Portuguese, and Spanish spotters. Wow. That'll be interesting to try just for fun. Like, let's run a carb cup race at Talladega in German. And have the spotter be German to see what yeah. happens. I have... I use Crew Chief as well, and I actually have both the spotters on because they kind of give each of them give us some information at times when the others don't. So I just kind of let them both be on there. So I might just for kicks go ahead and put one of them on Spanish because I'm always uh, uh, several of my friends are Spanish, and I'm always trying to get better at being able to keep up with them when, when they're not Spanish, they're Mexican. But I'm always trying to get better at keeping up with them when they're talking. We've all, they also have updated the TJ and Steve uh, packages as well as the Aussie pack. The Dale Jr. one, the TJ and Steve, is that what that one is? I believe so. Wow. Uh, the paint shop has Jim Beaver Esports as an added sponsor, I suppose. And the controls, there's a second clutch available for use with all applicable vehicles. Okay. That's I didn't like know a, that. The start off of a standing start kind of thing? Yep. I, I used, I've used it, I'm using it this weekend ridiculousness because those are standing starts in the in the prototype and it also just use it to get out of the to the out of the pits quicker uh and so they've also made some adjustments to the controllers will can you tell us about that 
Yeah, so it looks like they had a force feedback fix for some direct drive wheels to prevent snapping. Um, I know it's really rare, but I get that every now and then on my AccuForce, so hopefully that's uh, been resolved. Um, there's new Fanatec and API integration, so I think that kind of affects a lot of those newer Fanatec wheels and their displays and the information that's sent from the sim to the wheel. And it looks like the Xbox One controller works with uh, the Windows 10 for when it comes to mapping, so you could get a little more extra customization there as well. Wow. And the I like the part about the force feedback thing that prevent the quick snap around. Um, because with these direct drive wheels, I mean, I haven't had it snap like that, but sometimes it just moves really quick for, uh, you know, a quarter turn. And it can, you know, wake you up when that happens uh, unexpectedly. Yeah, it's almost like you run over something. It's like hitting a speed bump real quick, just a quick jerk left, right. Um, it definitely wakes you up. So hopefully, I haven't felt it in a while, but hopefully I never feel it again. Well, the way I read that snapping was like if you've uh, wrecked, reset to the pits, and then for whatever reason your wheel wants to recenter itself, you know, oh. after it's been spun around in a wreck. When do you get in the car the next time? Gotcha. Yeah, because I said it, it, now it's going to accelerate rather than just snap. Okay. Um, we also, looks like we got some fixes to the rift. Um, I'm a little confused on the way they worded this, but it basically stops rendering the track viewport. So um, I'm not quite sure what that is. And they also added new loading screens. And uh, I know when I loaded Atlanta, it was a beautiful color picture instead of the normal black and white. So I haven't got try any other tracks but if that's the case they are look a lot lot better okay maybe that can be ad space uh they can sell sponsorship there right huh if it was this this was developed by ea they definitely would have by now <laughs> <laughs> you'd right. be able to buy your cars and tracks from the loading screen yeah there you go click here you want fries to go with that all right let's keep going uh car updates we got the Audi R18 LMP1. It had a BOP refuel rate and max regen power adjustment. The uh, Audi LMS GT3 a, a BOP adjustment, weight arrow drag tow adjustment. The new car, the Audi RS3 LMS, has the version 7 tire. And uh, the MW M8 GTE BOP engine power fuel consumption arrow drag adjustments. The Chevy Corvette C6 got the version 7 tire. Wow, guys, we got multiple cars with version 7. You can't say hashtag soon anymore, I guess, about the tire model. I mean, we got it on multiple cars now. They even stuck it on the F3 car, which I'm very excited about. I was running laps on it earlier, in fact. Okay. Uh, we'll keep moving to Lara. Uh, IR18 engine updated to heat up more quickly with abuse under caution, causing failure sooner. Um, I guess that's if you rev the engine while you're pacing, I would presume. Uh, number panels were replaced. Uh, the Dirt Late model, arrow more affected by vehicle pitch in the Super Only. And then vehicle soft shadow edges adjusted. The Dirt Midget and non-wing sprint. Front tire tread pattern adjusted. Dirt sprint car, opponent car ride heights have been adjusted to keep the right front above the track surface. Uh, BOP on Ferrari GTE and the Ford GT 2017. Kia is now a free car. 
And the Lucas Oil Off-Road Pro Trucks minimum fuel lo- level has been set to 2.0 gallons. Uh, K&N is, is got the version 7. So we got our first oval car with a V7 tire. Uh, what do you guys think about this? This is big. It's good to see it on an oval car, because, you know, because um, how, well, how tires wear out on the oval cars compared to the sports cars particularly is it's just drastically it's two different worlds i was wondering why not the b car though i mean they have the brand new b car there's three of them if they put it on the b car it would be very popular i'm sure because people would want to try it but they picked the k&n any uh what do you guys think about that i i wonder if it has to do with it being slower yeah i don't i don't slower, think it's a lower lot. division I think it probably has to do with that series runs without cautions. So in a B car, you're going to have cautions every so often. So most people are going to throw new tires on. But this is going to give a chance for people to race for 40, 50 laps on one set of tires. And you could really kind of see the development over the course of a run. Um, I think it's probably going to give them a better set of data to work with. Yeah, no cautions in those races, huh? Okay. So, as I mentioned, three new Xfinity cars. They are free if you purchase within two years. We got the uh, BOP weight, fuel, and brake changes on the Porsche 911 RS GTE. Porsche 919 hybrid, a BOP change and refuel rate change. Skippy V7 and the new damage model. So, Skippy is the only car with the new damage model. Street stock, a braking converted to a hydraulic model. Super late model, grill tape set to race or qual only. You can't uh, make incremental updates. Uh, the old Xfinity cars are now listed as archive. If you purchased more than two years ago, you get $5 in credits. Hey, that's me. I probably got 5 bucks in credit. A lot of car updates there, uh, definitely. And as we move on to the tracks, the much-awaited and very exciting Barcelona new track. Always love a new Grand Prix track. I'm sure I'll be taking the sports cars out there too. The eye candy uh, for that has been amazing, you know, and it it's a, it is a world class track, obviously. And uh, there's this one artwork on a wall on next to one of the corners that has a face of Michael Schumacher on it. And man, when it, you, they show that and stuff, it looks really sharp. Uh, I'm busy enough that I don't know if I'm going to go on there until or until a series makes me go on there, but I'm definitely going to buy it when it when the series says, yeah, time to run that track. At Spa, um, we've we've discussed this. There's been a lot of controversy every year at Spa because of the the locations of the incidents where you can get off tracks and um, the the incident limits and the abuse of it if there's not incident limits. Well, the check course, checkpoints and course cuts have been updated, and grip on the asphalt and astral turf runoffs has been reduced. So maybe they've fixed it. Oh, with all the discussion, maybe uh, we'll have to see. When will we know, David, when the IMSA goes there, or do we have to wait for the next 24 hours to really know? Um, I have not looked at the Season 4 schedule yet, so I don't know if... if uh, Either Emza or Le Mans is going there, but I'm sure at least one of the sports car series will hit that in the season four uh, trip time trip. You think we'll have an understanding about if it's better or not? Um, I, I hope so. 
you know, running it running it in a, in a forty minute sprint race is not the same as running it over over twenty four hours. But you still you still get the basic idea on whether you can abuse those af- off tracks or not. I like the idea of of lessening the grip in the uh, outer edges because uh, it's always is a problem in every game or sim uh, with tracks like uh, in the F one game, for instance, Paul Ricard, which is just flat as it can be, and it's got all these uh, pavement pieces and it's like sandpaper um you could drive plenty fast on it however because it's not on the track it's super dusty if you ran a real car over it you'd be on skates for the next little while and uh it's a difficult balance in sim racing to get that effect without it just being a skating rink out there you know well you do you can't you do actually put pick up debris when you go off track and you can actually put marbles on the tires, and and it can cost you grip. All right. Depending on how much, how many marbles are out there. So we got a new dirt track, Fairbury Speedway. I'm sure Will, you probably were excited about this one. Yeah, haven't got to run it yet, but it should be a kind of a small one, a little bit like Kokomo. So it should provide some really, really good racing. And right. there's we don't have them listed on the script, but I'm sure you can see it on the forum post at the top. There's many more small tweaks to several of the tracks. And then uh, the, the last thing we're going to discuss on the build is it came out a little bit later in the week. Um, and it did come out, so we know that now, that it's delayed till Thursday. And they were hoping it was, that it's the last critical issue. So far, we haven't heard any, any, um, anything major, any major bug being found yet that's going to require a hotfix. But don't be surprised if we have another patch come out next week. So it was interesting to hear them uh, delay it um, and why. And there was a neat quote in the forums from Sean Nash, who's on the staff. He said, the issue we are trying to fix appears to be an edge case in the tires. That doesn't happen under normal driving, but triggers from certain collisions. Not a good combination considering all the collisions that are about to happen. And you don't want it to happen to you. We are furiously testing and debugging this. We thought it was fixed, but it is still happening in last-minute testing last night. We are seriously hoping it is the last critical issue. It is hard to tell. It is quite complex, and we get limited info per crash. So he's talking about the sim literally crashing when people do a certain thing with the tires. And uh, so that's a pretty big deal that they had to work through, and uh, I'm glad that they uh, decided they got it fixed and they released it. It hasn't crashed for me, so... uh, Knock on wood, everything's working. The other thing is uh, they announced it on uh, Twitter, the uh, the 24-hour delay. And, man, the comments on the Twitter are gold, man. Everybody put up uh, their favorite meme and uh, a meme. And uh, there's all kinds of uh, interesting ones, to say the least. Well, let's talk uh, deeper into the tires. Yeah, so early last or late last week... Um, we got confirmation that there would be more cars coming with the V7 tire. And it sounds like there was also discussion that there would be about the same seven cars might have the new damage model, but that kind of got rolled back. Um, so we only got the Skippy with the damage model. And then the, I believe, what, seven cars with the new tire? And um, Eric Hudik reached out and via the forums, I believe, two nights ago, um, which should have been the night before the launch, basically warning us about the new tire model on the first ever oval car, which is the K&N car and basically saying you are going to see a difference in speed depending on how hard you run it. 
But if you run it too hard, there is a chance of failure. So tire management's now going to be key. Um, there was a lot of questions about it, and he reached out and answered a few of them. Um, we cannot flat spot the tires, but it does record the damage done to the tire. So if you uh, lock them up, it's going to cause damage to the tire. But instead of being put on one section of the tire, which would simulate a flat spot, it's going to affect the entire tire. Um, he also mentioned that he locked up the brakes at Talladega going about 190 miles an hour and was able to blow a tire out. So we uh, looks like flat spots might be coming with the next tire build. They're working their way towards that. But right now there's no flat spotting, but we can blow out a tire. And um, you can really affect your performance and speed. But if you overwork those tires, they will they will pop on you. Yeah, and they talked about there's a cliff, uh, as they call it, for fall off. So once you reach a certain point in long into the run uh, and you go over that cliff, it's severe. And then the other part was the warm up period before they hit peak performance. So the first couple laps are going to be a bit dicey, uh, is my understanding. It also looked like the way you warmed them up um, would affect that lifespan. So if you really were really aggressive early in a run, that cliff's going to happen a lot sooner than if you kind of slowly get them up to speed. Um, they also reference that they don't know if cleaning your or scrubbing your tires makes a difference or not. It sounds like that's not something they worry about at this point. So for all those people that like to scrub their tires during cautions, uh, iRacing themselves say that's not something they focus on. But yeah, the way they worded it is if you're too aggressive warming them up at the get-go, that that fall-off's going to happen a lot quicker. You're basically heat cycling those tires is what it sounds like. So uh, not only how hard you run them throughout the run affects it, but how efficient you are on heating them up and not overheating them too early. Yeah, I was running. the cliff is back. <laughs> I was running a few laps with the uh, F3 car on the new tire model, and the outlaps are sketchy as they can be. Wow. Yeah, I did a I did a two five lap sessions on my lunch break um, with the KN car at Atlanta because I know that track's pretty rough on tires and it felt a little skatier than normal. It was really kind of hard to say. It felt very catchable. Where before, it, once it let loose, it let loose. But I did five laps where I was gentle, rolled in, drove off, and uh, then five more laps afterwards on a fresh set, really hard, and it was about twenty degrees warmer on the right front with about 5% more wear, but I was about a 10th quicker. So I don't know where that cliff is yet, but I think you're really going to see people coming and going in those races, depending on how they work those tires. I hope so. Um, it, uh, wasn't it in the skippy with the, that already had the tire model out where people got busted for, uh, warming their tires up by doing a burnout. Well, obviously it's important to warm your tires up or to be up to speed. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, Tony Rochette put up a video in the chat of uh, him blowing out a tire. Apparently he tried to do that by going real fast and slamming on the brakes. And uh, pretty interesting. I need to try that. The animation was interesting, though, because you don't actually see the shape of the tire deform. It just goes further into the track. But And you can't drive it, right? The car will veer off to one side or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure the traffic is very gone. I mean, we've had tire failures before under severe impacts where you, you're driving with one of the tires not really making contact to the ground. It's not easy to, it's not very drivable. 
it happens a lot in the sports cars. You, you, you can almost will get back faster if you tow than if you try to limp it home. And from what I could tell, it looked like you get a warning from your spotter um, before it blows. So I don't know. I read it in on Reddit, and it sounds like at a certain point your spotter will warn you, and that's kind of when you really got to think like I better take it easy or pit soon because it's uh it's coming. Okay. All right, season four schedule out. Well, the season four schedule is out, and we're definitely not going to read every every note out, but there are some key notes that come from Tyler Hudson's post that you might find interesting. Uh, right now on the schedule, and this happens every time they're about to put out a new track, Centripetal is in is the placeholder for both the Barcelona tracks and Fairbury. So and that's probably already, now that the new build is out, well, we haven't hit week one yet, so that schedule won't be posted in the actual game, but... There you, there you go. If you see Central Pedal on there for either Barcelona, either either series, it's going to be Barcelona and February replacing that. We have a new series, the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge, which is featuring the new TCR Audi. We have another new series with the Rookie Pro 2 Light Truck Championship featuring the Pro 2 Light Trucks on free rallycross tracks. Wow, I need to try that. I haven't tried the Pro 2 Light. I can't drive the Pro 2. It's too hard for me. And so the Pro 2 Lite with the reduced horsepower, it's going to be right up my alley, I think, I hope. And the other major shift they've made is the Lucas Oil Off-Road Racing Pro 4 Series is now a dirt road D-Class, while the Lucas Off-Road Road Racing Pro 2 is a C-Class. Whoa. And on this post that's, that, that's linked to in the show notes, you can see the entire schedule. So I think they had the Pro 4 as Rookie. Uh, up until now, and now it's going to be D, and then the Pro 2 is C. Now, that makes sense, because the Pro 2 is, like I said, really hard to drive. So that should be the best one out there. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, there was a lot of promotion this week by on social media, YouTube, um, on the new build. And, of course, the Audi TCR was one of them. There was a nice video of an onboard at Olton Park put out. Uh, a lot of the comments was about the sound of the engine. Apparently, it's very unique. Uh, Will, uh, we got a new track uh, to be scanned. Yeah, this is the first announcement of a new off-road track, um, Crandon International Raceway. It's in uh, Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken, and they are, they're scanning it. So uh, there's really no timeline on when it's going to get to the sim, but it's nice to see they're adding more short course or off-road tracks uh, to the sim, I think, with the the no the new Pro 2 light and um there's I mean there's a big push for it. It's the highest license right now in the truck, so it's uh, nice to get some new content. It is. I mean I'm getting kind of tired of the two same tracks, so wonderful, wonderful, wonderful that they announced a third track here. And uh uh from what I've heard and seen uh videos of this place, it looks like it's gonna be a fun track to run. Yeah, it looks like it has a really good history. I mean, it looks like it goes back all the way to 1970s. So it's, uh, I think I'm not too familiar with all the uh, short course and off-road tracks, but it looks like it's got some good heritage. I know when they brought in the dirt ovals, they took some classics, and this looks like right up that same alley. Yeah, and they're going to tr- uh, scan it right before the big event that they're having there, the 50th Annual World Championship Off-Road Races. And uh, just like the day before or days before, they're going to show up and scan it. So, uh, you know, it'll be all prepped for that big race. Perfect. 
All right, David, uh, we got what is iRacing, a rookie's point of view. It's always neat to see somebody come in new. Uh, our guest and new teammate, Shane Chastain, is going to get to tell us a, bit, a little bit about being new as well when we meet with him. But this is a, a YouTuber. Her name is Annie Rabbits, and she decided to try iRacing because Verstappen and Lando Norris are often racing there. Um, and you can follow her channel and watch her go through a season with the rookies. Wow. I found this video and uh, I was surprised because how many times do we see a female in iRacing? And it's very rare. And of course, uh, I watched her video and she put up a, a nice video that's called What is iRacing? And talks about, uh, you know, she's fairly new to the service and she just tells everybody what it is and, and what she thinks it is and that kind of thing. She had several videos. Um, her YouTube handle is Snail Racing, and uh, some of her videos are, are cool because she does this uh, where you see her running in the Mazda going around the, the track, but you can also see her face up in the corner and get her reaction to, oh, I went too far and ran off the track, and she makes a face, and it's kind of amusing. Uh, it's kind of fun to watch, but uh, I don't know if you guys checked out her other videos, but uh, it was fun. Yeah, I, uh, I clicked on one and kind of jumped about midway through and she gets into the back of somebody at the final turn at Laguna Seca. And uh, she, it's funny. She's like, ah, I just misjudged where his breaking point was. And I mean, that's what we all really do. But it's really good, candid uh, review of her racing. So it's, it's a really good perspective. I think a lot so many content creators in the iRacing world are established and they know what they're doing. And um, it's good to kind of see that learning experience happen live. I think that's a good content to have out there. And she's cute. So easy on the eyes. Never hurts. <laughs> but we uh, welcome Ann. I sent her a comment on uh, YouTube and or I think it was Facebook maybe and said, welcome, you're one of us. And uh, she is. She's really into it. Uh, she's, you know, planning, you know, which uh you know, is she going to run which car in which series coming up in the 12-week series um, and that kind of thing. And it's very interesting, especially if you're new, to kind of follow along with somebody else's journey. Maybe we can get her on as a guest. We'll have to ask Mason. All right, let's keep moving. We have a poll. Do you race with socks, shoes, or bare feet? And my answer is uh, socks. I can't do it without socks. And that is the overwhelming answer. 55% said socks, 28% shoes, and only 17% bare feet. Uh, how'd you guys vote? Socks. No, I'd have to be a socks guy for sure. I do either bare feet or shoes. Uh, I got the uh, Fanatec V3s, and I use the standard uh, throttle pedal. And I don't like socks on that uh, smooth surface. Um, I wish I wore my shoes all the time because it just it sounds gross to say you race in your bare feet, but it's uh, I'm relaxing around my house. I'm comfortable. It's only my rig, so it's uh, it is what it is. I just feel feel I have a little bit more uh, control with socks versus the shoes. I've tried shoes. Okay, Will, how a paraplegic driver enjoys sim racing. Yeah, so there's a really good video posted up to the forums. Um, I am gonna butcher his name, but. Q Chul Choi. Um, he is from South Korea and he races and he's a uh, paraplegic and uh, he kind of shows how he works. It looks like he's using the McLaren Fanatec wheel and he's utilizing the uh, 
the clutch paddles as throttle and brake. So um, it's really kind of cool to see him work that. He looks very quick. Uh, you would, if you were just watching his driving by himself, you would really never know. But it's uh, it's impressive what people do to get the thrill and race and work. Well, through, actually, um, no. I think if you check a fifty second mark, Will, you can see the thing he's got for the brake and the pedal. It's this craziest thing I've ever seen, and I think it's actually uh, what paraplegic people use in real cars. Where it's this long pole and it kind of attaches to the brake pedal, and then it's got a, a, a pivot with another thing that kind of pushes down on the gas pedal, and then he's got a thing where he can push on both of them. And I don't know how he's uh, if he's using his hands to do that or yeah, it looks like he's using his his hands. Yeah. Okay. I must have missed that because I went to uh, about two minutes and forty seconds into the video. And it looks like he's. It looks like it's attached to the wheel itself, if I could tell, because he's pulling a paddle there. It looks like on the wheel, and it's so the paddle is break. moving that thing. Yeah, that so it looks like crazy. he kind of settled in the middle. Because I know I had an uncle who had a device like that in his van, and uh, it was a weird to drive with the hand controls. But this one's incorporated to the wheel, so that's uh, it's actually really kind of cool. I missed that at the beginning. I kind of just skipped around and got to two forty, but that's where he's a. Uh, Got it integrated to the wheel as well. Yeah, that is crazy how that thing works. But um, it's also interesting that we even have somebody from South Korea on ice racing. Um, who would have thought? Okay. Uh, Darlington NIS, we had a tidbit from none other than friend of the podcast, John Hammer. Uh, he, he notated that Darlington Southern 500 NIS Open 2019, we had 480 participants. But last year in 2018, only 231. More than double, guys. Uh, that's pretty good. I, I just thought that was cool to take note that we're, uh, NIS uh, participation is up. Late in the year, too. Yeah, it's a late in the year and a difficult track, too. So usually you see drop-offs on some of the more difficult tracks. That's a really, really good sign. Okay, let's keep moving. Will, another video about the build, this time Barcelona. Yeah, well, I won't spend too much time on this, but early in the week, we got a video showing off the Circuit de Barcelona, and uh, it showed off that artwork you mentioned with uh, Schumacher on the wall, and it's just, it's amazing what iRacing is able to accomplish um, art-wise. I think it, we don't really get to see everything when we're racing, so it's nice to have these videos out there to kind of catch all those details we might have missed driving at speed. Oh, yeah, and, you know, people like me, I'm not going to jump out and buy Barcelona right away, but I like to see what they're working on, and um, I'm really glad that they do uh, the videos, and they're really good at it. So, uh, David, we got E-Rect, a video this time from NASCAR. And it's a video specifically of crashes from the Peak Series. The first well, thing... and the heat, too. Was it heat? Okay. Both. I, I didn't notice that because... because it... It was Evan doing all the announcing, was it not? Well, if you jump, if you look closely, there is heat footage mixed in with the peak footage, so you okay. have to. It's kind of hard to tell the difference, but I actually left a, a comment on NASCAR's YouTube channel saying, "Hey, I don't want to see the heat. I want to see the peak stuff." Well, I, I confess, when I watched it, I was also at the gym, so I was looking back and forth at it, and I didn't catch that level of detail. I was focused more on the sounds and the announcers. Um, because one of the things with the video that I was watching, you know, crashes, crashes, it's cool. There's a lot of stuff, but 
Evan, what's his last name? Uh, the peak Piscopco. Piscopco. He is on the same level as all of the Fox guys and NBC guys and MRN guys. I really enjoy his broadcasting style. And he really brings the radio style of excitement to the broadcast, even though it's a video broadcast. That's what I got out of the most of it. And also, you kept hearing Ray Alfala's name a lot. He's just he's just had that kind of a season. <laughs> I was going to say that. This is a Ray Alfala 2019 highlight reel is what it is. Because he's in all of it, man. He has been in so many wrecks. They literally show his car... I don't know, eight, nine different times. He's on his roof. I don't know how many different times. And Oh, poor Ray. But it's a good quick little two-minute video, good watch. Uh, and, again, Evan makes the, makes the race sound exciting. Just uh, just imagine in maybe a year from now we're going to get this a similar video, but hopefully with the new damage model on all the cars. And that's at that point, you're probably not even going to know the difference between iRacing and real life. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh supercars.com put out uh, uh, E-Series Mustang and ZB are under development. The Virgin Australia Supercars Championship, uh, they published this 20 hours ago and put out a, uh, they're putting out virtual versions of the Ford Mustang and Holden Commodore ZB Supercars. They're under development for future use in the Gfinity Supercars E-Series. And this they put is, out a render of the cars, and boy, they look sweet. This is the first time that I could ever think back, and I know I haven't been around for a long time, but where the actual sanctioning body announced something before iRacing. Yeah, um, good point. I, I think that really shows the excitement and with uh, these teams and uh, manufacturers. And just, I mean, I think everybody's really seen the value that iRacing has, and whether it is to show off their product and get into the esports world, I think this is a really good sign. Wow. And you're right. I was kind of surprised because this came out before iRacing announced anything about it. Um, so, yeah, need to see him jump the gun. David, we have uh, Dale Jr. talking about how he met Brad Keselowski and his brother Brian. This is a neat spoiler for me because I haven't gotten this far into the broadcast yet. Uh, he, oh, you haven't out, listened to it? Oh. No, I haven't. Well, they came out a day later this week because of the holiday, I would assume. And um, I'm in the middle of the Dale Jr. broadcast. I was listening to it on my way home from work today. Well, I did, so, so I'll tell the story. But I listened to the Dale Jr. download this week. And at some point, it's Brad Keselowski as a special guest. And they talk about when he first heard Brad's voice. And that's when he first met him, I presume. And guess what? It was on TeamSpeak. And guess what? They were sim racing. And it was Brad and Brian Keselowski. Uh, Dale was already there with TJ and Martin Truex Jr. They were hanging out racing. And then there were all these guys hanging out. And so for the longest time, he only knew Brad Keselowski from TeamSpeak and from sim racing. And then later, he met him at the racetrack as Brad was coming up and eventually hired him to run at Junior Motorsports. He's talked about meeting people uh, online before, uh, and I don't remember if it was a, a Dell conversation, but somebody was telling one of the racers that they wouldn't wouldn't make it all the way up to the top series, and then they ended up actually doing it. But I, I'm having one of those moments where I can't remember the exact details of that. But it's interesting, the history of the sim racing, and it it, it is – you know, the, the worlds are bleeding together. We, we get to cover that every day now. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, Will, we have another 
I think surprise announcement. I was surprised. The iRacing USAC World Championship presented by Flow Racing starts like next week. Yeah, this is the one, the uh, the kind of basic Road to Pro series that I tried to run in uh, a little while back. This is kind of what they were lining up towards, and it actually starts September 11th, so it starts really quick. But it's another uh, Dirt Oval World Championship. This one with uh, partnered with USAC and the non-wing cars. It's going to be in the 410s. And it's actually presented by Flow Racing, which is a website that streams a lot of the USAC events. So it looks like the same way Dirt Vision has kind of partnered with World of Outlaws and iRacing. Uh, they, it looks like they're working with Flow Racing for the non-wing. But it's, uh, it's kind of cool to see another Dirt um, World Champion. I know uh, Peak and the Porsche Super Cup have uh, really big prize pools, and the Dirt one's not as big of a prize pool, but there's a, a lot more championships to run in. So uh, it's cool to see another championship, and I think uh, this should provide some really good racing. This is probably hands down my favorite car on the sim, and uh, these guys are about to put a show on for us. And, and I think this is also another uh, example of the sanctioning body getting out before iRacing. Uh, I think I first noticed the tweet from USAC. Uh, they put up a tweet that said, uh, United States Auto Club President Kevin Miller announces the launch of the new USAC championship next week on iRacing at the BC39 race in Indianapolis this week. And it shows a picture of the president on stage, and they got the iRacing colors up on the screen and talking about the uh, new uh, USAC eSports. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's really cool. I mean, Kyle, I mean, they had Kyle Larson tweeting about it. I kind of hope he rings in one of those races. And uh, I think it's really, I mean, this is amazing. I mean, we got all premier levels of dirt oval racing pretty much on iRacing with world championships between late models, wing sprints, non-wing sprints. It's, uh, it's, it's all there. What do you think about having guest appearances like from a Christopher Bell or a a Kyle Larson or a, somebody like that uh, in a series like this, would that compromise anything? What do you think? I mean, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, they show up random weekends throughout the year at USAC, Midget, non-wing, World of Outlaw events. It's a, it's something real-life drivers have to deal with when they're running a championship. And uh, if it brings eyes to the sim, the broadcast, why not? It's a, It may be it may suck for the guy who finishes second to Larson who doesn't get maximum points that night. But if you're say double in viewership, that increases the likelihood for sponsors, higher prize purses. It's a, it's, it might suck for a couple guys, but as a whole, hands down, it's a, it's um a good four. And I hope to see it this season. I know we had, or we're supposed to have Scott speed and the, some timing with some incidents and suspensions happened there. And uh, the timing wasn't best for that, but, I kind of hope we see Larson or Bell in one of these championship races. I think um, they'd be stupid not to try to take advantage of that. Well, it's just like I've said before, I'd love to see a, a cup star in peak, you know, on a guest appearance. You know, let's let's have a Denny Hamlin or a Kyle Busch or somebody come run with the peak guys. I mean, if you think about it, Junior did it this weekend at Darlington. Um, it, it happens in real life. Why not happen in the sim world if – those drivers know they're top notch, and if iRacing knows they're going to be out there, not goofing around and taking it seriously, I think it's they're real life pros. They should be iRacing pros. Yeah, so ten grand prize. There's a two day driving experience at the Corey Cruzman Driving School, and you get to go to the USAC banquet at the end of the season. All right, 
Next up, uh, we got a shout out from Alejandro Mendoza on the forums. He said, thanks for the podcast. It makes my graveyard shift go by much faster. See you on the track, boys. All right, thanks, Alejandro, for the shout out. We do appreciate that. Let's jump into hardware software. Will, SimWorks Pro GT V3 pedals. Yeah, so this is a new pedal set. It is a, excuse me, load cell pedal. Um, you have a separate clip-on hill platform. It's a looks like it's all CNC'd, very heavy-duty looking. Um, based off Australia, when you convert it to US dollars, it's about nine hundred dollars. But it's a it's another nice-looking pedal set. I yeah, man. I mean, pedals. There's not a lot of great choices, but this is one of them for sure. I mean, but boy, what that's a lot of money. But it's got that hydraulic loaded brake pedal. Um, it's got all kinds of great stuff to it. And uh, the review that Barry put up, I thought was favorable. So, I mean, what other pedals, um, you know, if you're going hydraulic, are you're going to spend a, a thousand. I think mine were about 1200 shipped when I bought mine. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, we're seeing it time and time again. The prices and stuff are starting to slowly creep down with more competition, higher demand. Um, I'm a big fan of the HPP pedals. Um, but I mean, you're looking at these for about 300 less and they might just be as good. Um, I haven't watched through the review here, but I know if, he, uh, Sim Racing Garage says it's good, it's definitely good. Cause he goes through that stuff with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. He said tank like construction, a great package at a great price point. And so if he says that and Barry's pretty picky, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I was buying pedals right now. This would be one of the top three, probably. Okay, next. Joel Real Timing has up done an update where he basically, and we talked about this a, few, a couple weeks ago, he basically said, I'm going to start charging uh, people uh, that have the free version and you have to buy a license and whatnot. So anyway, September 1st came. I fired it up on my laptop like I normally do, and it didn't work. It was a big red screen. And so I had to buy a license finally. I've been using the free version forever. And so I bought it. Um, I'm very happy with that software. It's worth the 25 euros that I paid. I sent him uh, 25 euros uh, through his website. He uh, emailed me shortly after a uh, license code. It took me a little bit to get it working, but it works. And uh, I got my Joel Real Timing back, and I think it's money well spent. I uh, I got the membership or the uh, subscription, however he words it, really early on because um, I wanted it solely for track maps when I was spotting so I could kind of judge when the pace car was coming around to make sure we get as much damage repaired as we could. And uh, I've been very happy. I mean, it's uh, it that's easy. I mean, that's just money well spent right there. You can't, can't go wrong. I love it. It's on my four, uh, monitor down below my right triple. Um, it's kind of where your gear shift would be, but you can see first through 22nd and you can see it's real, you know, it moves up and down depending on how people are going forward or backwards through the field. You can see, you know, splits and how fast, how many, uh, pit stops people have done, how, what their I rating and safety rating are. There's so much information on that screen. And I just love to be able to glance down and see what's going on in the race, uh, you know, besides what's just going on in my cockpit. Okay, 
David, what's the best headset for gaming? Yeah, if you check out this website that we have linked, you might not get the answer, or you might, but it's a good explanation on how to choose your mic and headset headset at this uh, uh, Antlion. I'm I'm not pronouncing this right. Is it Antlion? Antlion. Antlion Audio. Uh, it's a nice little blog that talks about uh, uh, choosing different options. It points out that for different, even different types of games, different types of headphones might be a little bit better. Uh, I can really only speak from personal experience because I do a lot of sound engineering work. Sound engineering work. I use. I prefer a pair of headphones that has a what you would call a neutral EQ. It's true across all the frequencies. Has a real high fidelity, and instead of something that's trying to boost a certain sound or even do any kind of noise counseling. So I do enjoy it. Uh, the, the Sony headphones that I get, I feel like I get a good, uh, good full clear sound with, with d- deep bass, but, but, it, but you hear every frequency and you could, you still get a really good sense of stereoscope. Um, when I have my stereophonic recording mic that I use, if people are standing behind the mic and I have my headphones set up behind the mic, I, I, you, you can act, it will actually trick me into thinking somebody's behind me. It's 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 very neat little effect. So um, for me personally, I would go with the Sony headphones. But check out this this blog and give it a read. And there's also a nice neat little int, uh, additional product that they have with this blog. It's basically it's kind of like a clip-on mic, but it's mics that you can attach to any set of headphones. And if if I had seen this before there's a small chance I might have not might not have bought the Yeti mic that I that I have that just sits on a stand because I was I am particularly attached to my Sony headphones that don't come with the attached mic but um, this has several different options of ways you can clip on mics to headphones that you already have well the what I was thinking when I saw this product was for VR people that already have headphones like you said maybe they like their Sony headphones or whatever but they need a mic. This is a great solution for that. It's 120 bucks. It's antlionaudio.com, and uh, I kind of like the idea of it. Um, it is uh, small and uh, it sticks right in front of your mouth, you know, like a traditional, uh, you no, know, headset mic. Yeah, the wireless version is 120. There's actually quite a few options on here that not are not nearly as expensive as fact. Clip, as uh, wired ones, yeah. Some of them are even XLR and. Uh, if you want fidelity, XLR is your best option. Uh, uh, look up how XLR works if you'd like to know how it keeps noise out of a signal on a wire. So I also want to talk about the Yeti mic and the mic that Mason got, which is similar style, which is this is big uh, omni condenser mic you have on a stand kind of sitting in front of your face, right? So, like, I'm wearing a Logitech headset, and I have a microphone that kind of sticks out from the headset, and it's right in front of my mouth. And I was really having a hard time hearing Mason the other day with his butt kicker running and everything else. And when you talk, David, I hear your fan and everything else in your house. So wh- what kind of mic do we need to use in iRacing? Are those kind of mics working? I don't think they work great. Uh, the problem is getting them close enough. Uh, I had a problem with my boom stand that uh, it wouldn't hold on. The, the screws, the screw threads were not the right size. And even with thread tape, I just could not get the thing to stay on. It fell on me several times. Uh, so I have it fairly close to my, I have it sitting on my computer desk fairly close. 
So my room not it noise is not as bad as at Mason's, and it is a cardio mic. It it's not just Omni. It has four different modes. Uh, so it, it mine is set to cardio, but it, it is also it's still sitting on the same desk as my computer fan. So I'm sure some fan noise is always bleeding through there. Okay. Also, there's a you know with sound stuff, there's always the intended application. If all you want to do is holler at guys to move out of the way on the track, then a mic on a on a table is fine and, you know, so what about the background noise? But if you want to do things like talk to your buddies all night long, you know, that's why that's why they have headsets and various uh headset type attachments even. So basically I'm getting told on my podcast on the podcast, change my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't a big I mean yours wasn't so bad, but Mason's was really bad because of his butt kicker when he so when he's in the car, you can't hear him because there's this big low end rumble, you know, in his yeah, in the his, voice. His mic is attached to his rig, which is also attached to his butt kickers. So Yeah, so I was telling him get a separate boom that stands by itself that doesn't touch the rig. And that would fix that problem, I think. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Will, a new play seat is available. Yeah, so this, uh, I'm wow, okay. I usually try to be positive about products review. This one's a little going to be a little tougher. <laughs> a play seat Pro F1. Um, this is uh, branded as the first ever licensed Formula One sim rig. Um, there's a couple different variants of it. There's a Formula One version, a, a Formula E version. You can uh, also have a, there's a Mercedes, a Ferrari, a Red Bull, and then they have just a generic silver and white. And this is kind of like your traditional um, play seat. You have a wheel, uh, a wheel stand, pedal deck. That comes up between your legs. Yeah, it comes up between your legs. It's a fairly thin looking piece of metal that the wheel attaches to, but the price is, uh, you're definitely paying for those F1 paint jobs. Um, they range anywhere from 1,150 all the way up to, looks like 1,500, depending on which paint job you go with. And, uh, I mean, it's, a, I mean, it's pretty, but there's no monitor stand. There's no cup holder. I mean, there's really no standard no essentials you can find on any other rig. The biggest negative to me that comes across on the play seats is that the fact that the pedal uh, or the, uh, wheel stand comes up between your legs. One of our team, one of our teammates, can't really left foot brake because of that. Yeah, this is this is like I feel like tailoring to a very very specific market. I think it's for the F1 fan who only plays the newest Codemaster F1 game and on and VR. When I, I'm probably not even a VR. They probably just sit in front of their TV in their living room to show off to their buddies. Uh-huh. It's about all it's probably good for. I know you can't see me, but my hand is up because I am the guy. To me, this thing looks absolutely sick. Do you like the angle of that chair, though? I mean, he, he's practically laying down. Well, that that's how you sit in an F1 car, with your feet up above your up around your chest. Well, that's true. I mean, look at where his, the tips of his toes are uh, equal level to his neck. Yeah, and, those, and those paint jobs that you're paying a premium for look sick. Yeah, the Red Bull one is the one I'm looking at. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, paint job buys, they're beautiful. It's just I don't see value in the functionality of it for uh, for your standard iRacer. You couldn't I mean, use direct drive on this. 
I wouldn't recommend it. No, a regular uh, simple wheel would be okay, but I, I don't think that thing's sturdy enough for a direct drive. I mean, I have a tiny bit of flex on mine, and it's way sturdier than that. Funny you say flex. Yeah, so we'll get into that next. Uh, no, next, David, tell us about uh, the Sim Racing Expo. We heard about new Fanatec hardware. Yeah, we introduced a few new pieces. The main th things we saw hardware-wise were uh, um, a new NASCAR oval wheel. And it, funnily, for some reason on the video, they were unwilling to say the name NASCAR. I don't know if they were afraid of some kind of branding issue or, or announcement, but you could see it right on the screen. Um, and they also introduced uh, the latest iteration of the Porsche 919 or 911 wheel with lots of colors. And now there appear to be different button configurations that you can order as opposed to the one that I use. Uh, I like the, the Porsche rim particularly because it's, it functions for me as an oval wheel where I still have quite a few buttons on the wheel. The buttons uh, look really sturdy too. Mm -hmm. And they look a little bit easier to reach than some though some of those on the old hub do or on the or on the or on the, the, the generic hub. So yeah, it looks nice. And they're also inter introducing something called fan labs instead of fan leds, fan leds, fan labs, which is it's going to be their software that integrates with uh, both force feedback and the leds. Uh, that's going to help do some things to enhance the force feedback functions. Yeah, everything that you can program in the DD1 wheel, now you'll be able to do in software once they release it. It hasn't been released yet. Okay? And you were, you were mentioning Flex, and I think you're going to tell us a little about, about Flex in the next topic. Yeah, so we got a review from Barry at the Sim Racing Garage on the DD2 Fanatec. And uh, the big thing that he came away with was Flex. And he showed a part in the video where he was grabbing the wheel and shaking it left and right and you could see some flex going on basically where the the quick release is where it attaches to the wheel and uh to the base and uh i actually tried that on my wheel after watching the video and mine doesn't do that at all and uh there were several other people as well saying maybe this is just something with barry uh well, Dave, David, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of what he does. He's trying to find every, he tries to find the weak point in, in an exaggerated fashion. Um, so, you know, uh, we already, I might, we can just throw these two issues in as well. On our immediately after this on the show notes, you'll see is the DD Flex really an issue? And we have a guy that does about 18 minutes worth of filming of actual racing while where, where he's got a, a GoPro or, or webcam sitting right on. The, on that wheel joint and you notice that there really isn't that much flex so is it is it going to cause a failure i guess only time will tell i think it's just barry's particular wheel that maybe that's one has an issue because this guy doesn't have the problem i don't have a problem there's other people that in the comments that don't have a problem with it and so you know i don't know uh if it's just barry had a problem with his wheel or what but otherwise the review was good of the fanatec dd2 i mean um he seemed to see other lots of good things about it besides that i do like barry's videos he basically taught me how to put my sim one to sim one p1x or sim labs p1x together okay keep moving i got realtis force feel pad we talked about this last spring 
it's a, it's a pad you sit on that has little speakers in it and you hook it to your computer and kind of rumbles you a little bit. I think uh, the guy from Old Bastards uh, Racing League, uh, Steve Thompson, bought one and liked it. But apparently this company is not shipping their product. And there's a thread in the forum saying so. There's a lot of people that have bought the product that they never got it. And uh, apparently they're still selling it, even though they haven't shipped their previous shipments out. And uh, there's no contact from the company. And so I'm just going to throw out buyer beware if you're trying to buy the Realtis Force Feel pad. You need to check the forums first and see what these other people are saying about this company before you buy it. Will, Thrustmaster discount. Yeah, Thrustmaster posted up on their Facebook page. Uh, to celebrate PAX West 2019, we have partnered with B&H Photo Video Pro Audio to offer our fans 15% off all Thrustmaster hardware. So if you're thinking about getting anything Thrustmasters, if you go to their Facebook page, there's a special link there that sends you to B&H Photo, and you have to use code TMPAX19 and get an additional 15% off. So if you're thinking about getting a... I know Thrustmaster is known really well for their shifters, and they got a couple good wheels out there, entry level. Um, take advantage of it. Okay, very good. Let's uh, go into talking to our special guest, Shane Chastain. Shane, thanks for jumping in today. Uh, sorry I told you the wrong time. I'm in Arizona, and uh, we don't do daylight savings here. And I'm always eternally confused, asked Will. Yeah, you guys get all many the daylight shootings. <laughs> yeah, every year when the thing happens, I always miss my races and stuff because of it. But I'm sorry about that. But let's get to know you a little bit. Now, you're new to the team and you're new to iRacing. Now, normally we don't bring new people onto the team of Team Tafosi, But we made an exception in your case. Uh, why? Well... David Hall sponsored you, and David uh, vouched for you and said you're a good guy, and that's good enough for me, and so that's why you're here with us. So tell us about your start to iRacing, and I guess, well, first back up and tell us when you first heard the word iRacing, and then what did you do about it? Well, iRacing has been in my periphery for a long time, um, and also it was, uh, you know, my familiarity with with it was that it was expensive you know because of the way that you get it piecemeal and the subscription and all of that um before i had had a really good online experience playing gran turismo 6 on the playstation 3 and then uh, my playstation 3 was old when i got it and it succumbed to old age and so that was gone i got the ps4 and then my wheel wouldn't work anymore uh, in sony's wonderful judgment such as getting rid of spider-man from the culture um but then uh then it was just like a journey to try to find some sort of sim that would work on my wheel you know on pc at this point and uh and actually have some sort of competition against real people and it was very very difficult all right and but, so well so so i ran through a set of course uh took a look at all these other things you know i racing would always come up if you look up best sim but then uh you know typically people that are reviewing these things are game reviewers and so they're like well there's no story mode there's no career mode 
the online is strange. Which, right. you know, if you're used to playing MLB The Show or Madden Football, then it, then it is strange having to wait on a time to do your race. Um, but the competition is second to none. And uh, as I became more and more frustrated by the rec fests that are the online experience of the F1 game and Assetto Corsa and the like, uh, David was streaming his iRacing on Facebook and, you know, through Twitch. And so eventually I just asked him, I said, ma'am, tell me what it is. And it's been great. Well, David's obviously a proponent of iRacing. I mean, he got you hooked. Now, you're a road guy, uh, basically, from what I've seen mostly. Now, you're, you're, you've been dipping your toe into the oval side and trying to get your feet wet a little bit. Uh, looking at your stats page, uh, you're at a 1% winning on a road, and you have one win out of 93 starts. On oval, you actually have one win with 34 starts. And so, but your the number that jumps out at me, top five, 31% of the time in your road starts. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's always been road stuff for me. Um, I've always really liked that in any kind of racing, uh, primarily formula stuff. And uh, the thing that I'm trying to do is be the slowest of the aliens. I'm alien chasing is the idea. It's funny, you already know about aliens already, and you're you know so new to the sim. But yeah, they're out there, and uh, they're hard I mean, to beat. Yeah, in, in iRacing, I've discovered anything with no fenders the, is where the aliens roam. <laughs> All right. Tell us about your hardware setup. What are you running for pedals and wheels and cockpit and that kind of thing? Monitors? Well, so I'm running a Driving Force GT, old, cheap, clunky, clunky wheel, um, and it's the one that I've had forever. Uh, when I first started, first month of iRacing I was still running on a homemade PVC rig that fit my couch perfectly um, which is great for a six lap Gran Turismo race but it was wearing me out on a you know the 20 lap runs and iRacing on the roadside uh, and so I went and got a rig and I'm cheap so I got the uh, Conquer seat and pedal rig from uh, Amazon uh, got out the handsaw and the and the uh, hammer and built myself a monitor stand and I've just got like a, an Asus gaming monitor on it but uh, a huge improvement from the from the PVC job all right what do you think your next hardware upgrade would be uh, the local pawn shop has got a uh, Thrustmaster T300 and uh, I've got them about down to take $150 for it, so I think I'd like to get that. Um, at this point, I don't, I don't think my rig would support a very, very strong wheel, but I would really think that I would like a smooth wheel. And then I'd, right. get, a, I'd get a clutch pedal, too, with that, and that'd be kind of nice. Okay. Now, you talked about your kind of leaning on the roadside. Uh, we're starting a new 12-week uh, season and talk us a little bit about what you've decided to do in this 12 weeks coming up. Uh, you've made a game plan. It sounds like a good plan. Yeah, so uh, last season I got to run right about half of it, maybe a little more. And uh, I was focusing focusing on the Renault 2 series. And uh, my goal was to get 
top 10 in my division, which was five. And I did that. And then uh, toward the end, I started running the F3 car. And I'm really liking that. So I think that's going to be my focus for this time. And then, of course, I'll run the odd uh, VRS Sprint and keep on trying to uh, attain an oval license so that I can mix it up with you, with you guys and the rest of the team in the near future. Yeah, you gotta get gotta get to work on that sports car so you can run with us in the uh, endurance races. Yeah, we got the Daytona 24 in February. Uh, you need to be ready for that. And then NIS, I hope you can run with us next year, starting uh, with the Daytona 500 in February. Uh, you have to be a C license or higher to run NIS, and I am um, looking forward to running with you. I'm glad to have you on the team. Uh, thanks for coming on. Let's keep uh, moving here. Um, thanks, Shane Chastain, for uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. Let's jump into results. Uh, Darlington, uh, Thursday fixed, I ran P7. I was pretty happy with that result, uh, considering it was Darlington. Uh, Friday open, David, you got wrecked out. Yep, I'm trying to refresh my memory a little, but my notes say... That a lap car says he's holding his line, but he clearly came from below the dotted line to a first to above the first seam to hit me. And he said on the text that he uh, thought he came across my nose, but he did PM me a little bit shortly afterwards and said sorry if he was wrong. So I, I kind of considered it passed. Uh, I, it definitely wasn't a mistake-free race for my myself, and I don't know it, how much it actually would have cost me. So. I dollared the the whole run. I got lucky to get the P7 that I fit it as my best finish, but I, you know, that's a track that if you make mistakes, it really punishes you. All right, I ran as well. I got wrecked out. I actually led some laps. I was running top ten pretty much. I got into it with Greg a few times. I don't know why we were like a magnet for each other, but uh, eventually I completely got wrecked out. Uh, Greg got a P9. Uh, he was able to continue. Tony Rochette, he got wrecked out. He started fifth, got the lead, ran a few laps. He tagged the wall but got repairs done. And on the restart, got put three wide. The car in the middle bounced off the inside and then killed him. He had a super fast car, he said. And then Sunday open, Tony got a P9. Again, fast car but caught in somebody else's mess. But no yellow. It put him down three laps. He did make up two of those three. Uh, Hall, you got DQ'd out. Ouch. Yeah, I was on the pole for this one. Um, Self-spun early. I was just trying to push it hard and had not been loose the entire week. And around it went. Um, don't recall if I collected anybody, but I definitely put... It definitely put... Um, no, I, it, it did collect some people. And it uh, definitely... It hurt the car. And then I kept getting caught up in other people's messes. 4X here, 4X there. Um... And I got another 4X because I rear-ended the guy in front of me when the green came out because he didn't go. And I, I, I really should have waited on him to go. Um, but you had a rough we, week. Yeah, the, the leader didn't go. The leader literally didn't go till after the green came out. And so every, it, anytime somebody does that, you know. I mean, sure, that's their prerogative, but I tell, the, I tell all the guys all the time, if you want a caution, wait till the green comes out to go. If you want to have a better chance of the race going green go early um, and it really that formula is true with um but i still i ran into the guy so i can't blame the guy in front of me because he probably had nowhere to go uh so 10 to the x was my fault the other 12x was was other people 
22. There you go. I ran uh, fixed uh, Sunday night, P4. I actually ran 10th to 15th most of the race, but rallied at the end. Uh, people, you know, getting in trouble, and I not, and I was just, you know, kept my focus up, got a P4. Really, really happy with that result for Darlington. Let's switch to Indianapolis. Wednesday open. Uh, David, you got wrecked out. Seems like a theme, doesn't it? <laughs> and, well, this one uh, had a decent set, but we were all on TeamSpeak kind of think, talking about how we would blast everybody through the corners, but we had so much downforce that we were losing speed in the straightaways. Um, and I think that's kind of part of what led to what happened to me. Uh, we had, we're somewhere mid-race, and we get in a situation where a guy in front of us kind of makes a slip up. He's... And so I go ahead and take the move underneath him, and the guy behind me is trying to push me. And because of how much more drag I have, I think he just hit me. He hit me two or three times, and then the last one, it turned me. He shot me a message, said it was all his fault. So, you know, there's no, there's obviously no bad blood there. But, um, uh, yeah, I just got turned by a guy trying to push me. Could have been a good race. Uh, but I, I think we have an idea of an adjustment we're going to make on the set that hopefully will prevent this situation from even coming up the next time. All right, and then this today open, I ran that same set, and yeah, it is slow on the straights, but good in the corner. I ended up P10 in top split. I ran 15th to 20th, actually, all day. There was a big wreck on the final lap, and I gained nine spots. I was 19th, ended up 10th uh, when a bunch of them piled up, and turn three come into the checker. Uh, Tony Rochette ran. He got P13. Um, he had a great car, he said. Um, he ran the wrong setup. He had a qualifying setup in and forgot to change it. Um, but he was taking out the last corner of the last lap. Uh, Brent also ran. Uh, he, he got wrecked out. And uh, who else ran? I forget. All right, that's it. And as always, our intramural standings are sponsored by iPitting iPitting makes it easy for you to keep track of your iRacing team's progress throughout the season with up-to-the-minute race results, point standings, and driver rankings for everyone in your team. So go to iPitting.com for all those standings. And in I have not, we do not have an update on the fixed standings. Is basically uh, really not very many people are running in the fixed anymore. Just me, pretty much. And but uh, it's all getting a little shaken up. Uh, Mason did not have a very good run at. At uh, Bristol, was that no Darlington? He didn't have a very good. He didn't get a good finish at Darlington. Um, I did, but we also kicked in a fifth drop week, and that caused cost me even more points. I have the most raw points, but I'm also dropping the most points. So Mason still leads with 672 points after the adjustments. I'm seven behind. Tony is 13 behind. And uh, who's this guy? Can, I, I hear the Jaws theme in the background. Greg's only 33 behind, and there's still one more drop week to add. Yeah, uh, where's Greg tonight? Yeah, yeah, and Jesse's not too far behind either. He joined. Well, he joined the team before he and I started, though we did go ahead and include his whole season in the points. Um, so it's it's designed. To, it's doing what I was hoping it would do when I when I kind of came up with the add a drop week every five weeks. Is you know you kind of see who's leading, but also. Um, as the drop weeks are accumulating, um, some of our bad weeks are falling by the wayside. 
Uh, it's gonna be, and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tight finish for probably the top five. Yeah, and the eye pitting thing has a real visual look to it, where you can see your finishes and and which ones are the wins are real visible. So, uh, really neat tool. Let's get into final thoughts. David Hall, final thoughts. Excited to get Shane in here. I know many Thursday nights he's off playing uh, um, piano bars. Uh, me and Shane are both musicians. I'm in education. He, he's not, but we've we run in the same a lot of the same circles. Um, so it's exciting to have two common interests there, uh, and to have somebody in my town that's also interested in iRacing racing is really cool. Because it, it it believe it or not, it just just not racing is not as big in Arkansas as it is if you get further over into the into the southeast. You know, we've we've got Mark Martin. That's about it. Okay. Thank you, Will Gibson. Final thoughts. No, I'm just glad to have Shane on the team. Um, be fun to have somebody to run with uh, some Formula type cars in, and hopefully, I can learn something. And uh, just a uh, good time for iRacing. Can't wait to go out there and destroy some skippies. You guys are too kind. All right. Yeah, let's destroy some skippies. I want to try that. All right, and uh, special guest Shane Chastain, thanks for coming on. What are your final thoughts? Oh, um, just that I don't know enough tracks yet in iRacing to really enjoy the Week 13 festivities. <laughs> That's the beauty of Week 13. <laughs> right, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, be careful. Don't get in an official race accidentally when you think it's a Week 13 race. I think uh, a couple of us did that the other day and lost some iRating. All right, and my final thoughts is, wow, this Fanatec wheel, I love it, except for the buttons. I have the universal hub, and the buttons are shit. I mean, I use them to push to talk, and one of them is completely wore out where it doesn't click anymore. I moved the push to talk to a different one, and it wore out, and now I'm on the third one, and it's wearing out too. And so what am I going to do? If I want to send this back you know, for replacement, or whatever, I'm going to be without a wheel. And what are they going to send me? The same shit buttons that are on here now? I mean, they are crap. I, I just can't believe the quality of these buttons. So I got to figure out a different push to talk that is not the Fanatec Universal Hub. And so if any listeners have any ideas, hit me up, man. I need, a, need some ideas here because I really don't know how to proceed here. It's kind of a weird situation. So Yeah, it's a good thing it wasn't expensive, right? Yeah, right. That's the thing. I just don't want to send it back and be without it and all that. It's not that big a deal to me. I'll figure out a different way. I'll use the keyboard or whatever. I mean, here on the podcast, I'm using actually the shifter uh, paddle as the push to talk, uh, at least for this recording. Uh, I also had a new person uh, from my town uh, visit me last week, uh, Adam Thompson. So shout out to Adam. He came over to try the new DD1. Uh, he wanted to check it out. Uh, he has a G29, uh, I think he said, and he said he was blown away by the difference. He also runs VR, and I have triples, and he was also blown away by the difference between the VR to the triples, and he had a hard time uh, adjusting to my rig from what he was used to, but... Uh, it was fun to kind of have somebody over and talk iRacing for a couple hours. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later.
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.